Hello everyone, welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Today, as always, joining me, my co-host, Jack Allison, and returning special guest, Robbie Martin. We have a huge, huge, huge show today. So let's get right into the Batman movie, the Batman series, from Adam West to our boy from Twilight, Robert Pattinson. We're going to talk about all the movies in a big two-part episode. Make sure to check out this first half, publicly brought to you free by blue wire but for the second part you're going to want to subscribe to patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com we'll have that for you next week the second part of our episode but let's get into it let's get started let's start with the first one the og our boy adam west in 1966 mm -hmm. the spinoff to the tv show but i still think it counts as a real deal movie and i think oh it's a movie actually one of the better ones simply mm -hmm. titled batman emergency batman speaking warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news the biggest tell them robin holy surprises batman it's really exciting soon very soon batman and i will be batapulting right out of your tv sets and onto your theater screens that's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. The big screen gives us more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most bataclysmic collection of super criminals that ever plotted to take over the world. Number one, the Riddler. Question, who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? Number two, the Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> Number three, the penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble. Batman and Robin. <laughs> Number four, the Catwoman. Oh, you're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. <laughs> And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. Adam West, Burt Ward, Lee Merriweather, Cesar Romaro, Fergus Meredith, Frank Gorshin, Alan Napier. Folks, this cast is huge. This is a good movie. Yeah. I feel like not yeah. that many people have seen this movie. It was actually out of print for a while. And then when it was in print, it was only like basement, like discount level, like $5 at uh, Walmart <laughs> prints, which were fine, but people would kind of pass over it. This is a really fun, really good movie. In fact, on my list of all time Batman films, I have this at number four. Wow. You know, Leslie, I, I similarly have it pretty high at number five, to be honest with you. I think this is a fun and good Batman movie. Um, and yeah, like I, I don't really have I, I like, as you'll see, as our list continues here, I like a kind of campy Batman. And this is like, you know, the, the the original, you know, campy Batman. This is where the camp came from in the first place. If you're, you know, looking outside of the comic books, I guess. 
Um, I'm going to have to say I ranked it very low on my list. Uh, <laughs> it's not the lowest, but it's almost at the bottom. And it's not because I find it too campy. I think I just never quite was able to like appreciate or fully get on board with like the style of campiness that they did. Even though I really like Adam West, I really like certain things about um, the Adam West Batman and the movie. I mean, I, I mean, the movie is definitely um, it's, it reminds me of the old school version of doing like a movie version of a television show mm-hmm. where you have a lot of outdoor locations. Like I remember the Batman TV show felt very, like it was very much filmed on a set. Most of the time there was like yeah, only right. like a handful of outdoor shots, like them going through the Batmobile sometimes driving around. But this felt very like epic in comparison. I remember like really liking that aspect of it. Yeah, it was bigger. It was better. That's how you used to do like a movie. Based yeah, on yeah, exactly. TV show like you would actually do some really cool like extra shit with it that you couldn't do on the because you right. didn't have the budget. Totally. Yeah. And it what it stuck with me is I remember watching it when I was very young and like, you know how like when you're young enough where you think you're, you know, you're clever enough where you think a movie is d- like too dumb for you. <laughs> I remember being like, <laughs> I remember being like ten years old and thinking aspects of it were like too dumb. I, like I, I was like, why would they? Like that's so silly. Like so, like there was there's things like that that I now I think in retrospect I'm like, yeah, that's obviously meant to be tongue in cheek. Yeah. But but I think the brave and the bold cartoon of Batman is probably more my style of like campy Batman than sure. what the Adam West show did. Yeah, I I think this is fun, and you know, for me, uh, you know, I I do rank it highly because I think it it's it accomplishes what it's setting out to do very effectively, you know. Like, uh, and I do find it yeah. to be like a very fun watch, and I don't think it wants to be, you know, much more than what it is, uh, which is, you know, a tell a, a movie adaptation of what they were doing in that Batman television show, which, by the way, also, you know, saved Batman. Like, Batman was kind of, you know, in obscurity at that point, and you know, this Batman television show, you know, if not for this show, and less so the movie, the show more so, uh, like we might not even have Batman today, which, you know, who. Who knows maybe that's a maybe that'd be a good thing <laughs> but either way uh, uh it kind of did resurrect batman um you know from from comic book obscurity this show yeah I, yeah no, i really yeah. enjoy i think it's just a damn kind of fun and good movie with like some pretty good acting from like some excellent actors who were just in on tv like i loved uh the romance between adam west and lee Mer- merriweather and it's actually quite like sad when he realizes that he has to arrest her and he has to act under like the paper mache bat costume but adam west by god he's an actor he gives that scene his all <laughs> and you feel the heartbreak in batman so i i am more into a scene with bat shark repellent than i am with some of the scenes like in the Batman or even some of the Nolan Batmans like give me a bat shark repellent give give me Cesar Romero refusing to shave his mustache while playing the Joker (laughs) and just painting over it so funny I mean that's also like you know like the kind of Alec Guinness and Harrison Ford and Star Wars like maybe with some of this goofy kid stuff you want actors who are like I'm not gonna fucking shave for this stupid shit (laughs) like you know (laughs) like who kind of treated you know with the level that it like should be treated which is like this is like for little kids <laughs> um yeah i don't know i think batman 66 
is one that I could see myself like kind of putting on and just, you know, enjoying scenes in the background, you know, almost any time versus maybe some of these other Batman. Yeah, it's an easy watch, a fun watch, some really fun stuff. I love to see when all the villains like bust in on Bruce Wayne and he has to fight them off. I think that is actually one of the better like fight scenes in any of the Batman movies just because of the feel of the emotional stakes and like how how it's choreographed is just i really enjoy the fights in these old batman shows even clearly they're not connecting with the punches but they they get a point the point across and they're 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 mm-hmm. fun action scenes they're again they're accomplishing what they're setting out to do with these fight scenes these are not meant to be the most brutal looking fight scenes ever they're supposed to be like goofy and campy fight scenes that remind you of 1960s batman comics and i think they succeed yeah, and very dynamic and using the environment, a real environment in ways that you don't get in at fight scenes like today. Yeah, I agree. I will say that um, Frank Gorshin and Burgess Meredith were are like the standouts for me as far as like the acting caliber and just the way they played those characters. So I feel like, and we're going to talk about them, but like the Joel Schumacher movies all had echoes of, or even, I mean, arguably even the Tim Burton movies did. Um, oh, yes, you know, all the actors. I feel like almost every actor who's tried to play a villain since the 66 show is referencing it in some form, you know, even if it's mm-hmm. not without conscious. exception, I mean, without ex- yeah. except for no, maybe, seriously, except for maybe Dano's the Riddler, maybe the maybe. only one, yeah, only one. Well, he did that little laugh at the in the coffee shop scene that was very like, as soon as he did, I'm like, wait, is he trying to do Jim Carrey or is he trying to do Gorshin? <laughs> he's trying to do something that's campy in that one little tiny moment. But you're yeah. right though. No, he's, he's probably the least or the most removed from that classic, um, you know, lineup of actors that, that had those very over the top performances. And I'm trying yeah. to remember, was and- there anybody from the show that was like an obscure one-off Batman villain from the comic? Like did they ever do two face or scarecrow or, Hugo uh, Strange know. or anybody like that in the in the original. They had, they had some original villains that are kind of weird uh, to look back on. I remember that. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall any super obscure villains. I don't, oh, actually, they did have Mister Freeze. Back no then. way! Wow. Really? Yeah, they had Mister Freeze. Oh, wow. oh yeah. They in That's fact cool. they had a couple. They had three. In fact, different Mister Freezes. <laughs> yeah, they, so he wasn't a re- he wasn't a reoccurring. He was just like a one monster of the week villain that they had a different no, they, actor they playing. Just, they, they just kept recasting him. <laughs> they just oh, wow, kept recasting. So funny. <laughs> That's funny. Which is not unusual. I mean, they, there were three different Catwomen. And this th- this film, we got Lee Merriweather. Of course, a lot of people love Eartha Kitts. All of them are absolutely, every Catwoman is beautiful. Every cat, I actually think I wanted to say, like, I don't think there's a single bad villain, really, in any of these films, except maybe Paul Dano. But maybe I'm being, but <laughs> we'll I have think to get to that later. We'll Leslie. get to that later. But I actually think, you know, starting off just from this, you get a really good base for, like, villains and how they I mean, should yeah, be portrayed. Ba- Batman in general does have, you know, one of the best rogues galleries. And so, yeah, you kind of luck out if you get cast as a villain in a Batman because, you know, it's 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 a little tough to go wrong. Like, you know, you have a good pick of, uh, of villains in this franchise. All right. So fast forward to 1989. 
Tim mm-hmm. Burden, a man who had never read a comic book in his life, <laughs> up Again, until this point. I like I like the people who are like not raised on this stuff making it. You know what I mean? It, I really it, do like when people are kind of like, "Ugh, this is for kids," but you know, we're gonna make something good and anyway. And it, it's so strange. He makes this movie basically because he's like the hot young director at the moment. Mm-hmm. And this is like the hot yeah. the new property they're getting off. It's like. It's like the plot, like if there was a movie about making movies, about making a Batman movie, that's how this <laughs> movie would be made. Oh, yes, we're going to cast some big A-list actors in this kind of goofy children's property and take it semi-seriously, spend a ton of money on it, make it look great, hire a temperamental weirdo who doesn't understand the property at all to make it, <laughs> and somehow it turns out to be a massive success that everyone loves, reinvigorates the character for 30 odd years, going strong now, and just becomes this huge cultural phenomenon. Vicki Vale. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? <laughs> Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. You look fine. I didn't ask. I've given a name to my pain. What are you? I'm Batman. Get those wonderful toys. My life is really ah! complex. Winged freak terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> I remember when this the Batman movie came out clear as day because like I remember the promotional push. I remember my brother worked yeah. at Seven Eleven or maybe Circle K, and they had these posters, and he would brought brought me home a Batman poster that I put on my wall that was just the logo, which was like a bold move in and of itself. <laughs> it was just like. Batman, just the logo. It's like that logo didn't mean shit at the time. Now yeah, it's like yeah. the most. <laughs> now it's become like this huge cultural phenomenon. But at the time, it didn't mean anything. They, and you have, you know, Prince, one of the biggest rock stars in the world on the soundtrack. Yeah. Huge Michael Keaton, huge star Kim Bassinger, huge Jack Nicholson, huge. Huge, oh, huge yeah. movie event, and it really establishes Batman not just as a cultural force, but as also kind of a Hollywood, you know, tradition almost that people sort of start passing in and out of and taking their turns at. It becomes this Batman becomes a Hollywood institution with the there's massive a moment, success like, of there's 1989's a Batman. There's a moment there in the 90s when Batman is almost becoming like James Bond, where yes. they're kind of like passing the torch to new Well, Batmans we'll get to that in a couple like of that. movies, actually, when yeah. it ex- exactly becomes James Bond. But Batman 1989, this was, you know, my favorite movie when I was, you know, seven. I actually, Robbie, what you were saying about f- kind of looking down on the movie when you were like 10, I kind of mm-hmm. felt that way when I was 10 about Batman. But I've come I had that moment, to too. I had that moment, too. I definitely... The first one? Period, the one? Yeah, there's a period in my, like, teens, I think when I first started getting into, like, comics a little bit, where I was like, mm, the, bat, the the Tim Burton Batmans are kind of stupid, and they don't, like, follow the rules of Batman. But now, in my adulthood, I am a fan of the Tim Burton Batmans, and I think that they really nicely straddle the line between the 60s campiness and a little, you know, and, and having some darkness and some, like, reality but not 
like losing that this is a goofy comic book character. Um, I really like the Tim Burton Batmans. So Batman yeah, 1989, uh, we can't talk about the film without talking about Nicholson's Joker, which is all anybody wanted to talk about at the time. Start Also started another tradition where the villains usually ended up outshining the Batman character uh, himself. Jack Nicholson was a sensation playing a evil clown gangster for mm-hmm. that poisoned the city in a children's movie, poison like cosmetics. So it was like a weird, like creepy, psychical, sexual vibe to a lot of the Joker crimes. <laughs> uh, weird stuff for, you know, five, six, seven, eight year olds to see. But by God, we went with it. It was really fucking cool at the time. There's also something really impressive. I mean, I'm not just like impressive in a psychological sense, but like the amount of money and marketing spent on the original Batman. You're talking about like how the logo was mm-hmm. just like a bold move to to use that as a marketing thing. Well, I mean, in Jason Takes Manhattan, that like Times Square Batman advertisement was there for so long that apparently they had to they couldn't even shoot around it. So it's like actually in the Jason <laughs> Takes Manhattan, uh, you can see the Batman advertisement in Times Square, and it also has like obviously the extremely iconic, memorable Danny Elfman score that yeah you know, pretty much set the template for the animated series. I mean, the, the intro is to this, you know, to the movie's score. Um, and, you know, there's so many, it's it's so hard to talk about this movie quickly. I know we have to, but like the, it, because it meant so much to Batman, like you're right, it did reinvigorate the franchise for the next 30 years, but it also set the template moving forward for the way that every Batman filmmaker would approach it uh after the fact i feel like nobody has actually moved completely away yet from the vibe of the 1989 tim burton batman and done something completely their own since and by that i just mean it's something as simple as making batman not in a completely black or monotone grayscale costume which was never how he was in the comic book but ever since the tim burton movie it's always like he either needs to be black or gray or dark gray or somewhere in the middle. He can't have any blue whatsoever in his costume. Burton um, even had yellow in the logo, which yes. they've like basically gotten rid of ever since then. That's absolutely right. And that, and it's kind of, I would say Batman 1989 is one of those movies that I think actually really suffers from a modern HD Blu-ray conversion because mm. the suit itself, I remember it looking so badass, so futuristic when i was even like a teenager it would hold up to me still the suit the michael keaton suit when i watch it now i'm like that looks like really corny old school molded rubber with fingerprints all over it it looks like a bad molded rubber from like a very specific era of like the 90s or late 80s to me now in a way that i think is actually like that sucks that it's like I can't unsee that now. It's like I, I would agree. I would agree that Batman, like so many movies from the '80s, is kind of best watched on VHS. You know, this yeah. should be watched with like a little bit of like Vaseline blur and you know, like artifacting from people playing it too much from uh from Blockbuster. Like, yeah, it probably is best watched like sort of in that capacity. But I still do love the look of this movie. I love like the the just like the vibe and feeling of it. And yeah. 
I, I think that this is, you know, I put it on my list uh, uh, at number, uh, this is my number three, actually. This is my number three best Batman movie. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of the, the Burton Batmans. Yeah, the look is absolutely stunning. I mean, from Gotham City, just even the, the internal shots, the design, which continues in Batman and Batman Returns, which we'll talk about in a second. But every, basically every frame of this movie that's not Batman looks really fucking cool. <laughs> Batman, yeah. I, I feel like Tim Burton did not really, like the rubber suit, I guess, was a good idea. But the fact that he could not move in it means that this is a Batman who cannot fight. And he sucks at fighting and he's bad at fighting. And that just becomes, for me, a problem with a movie about a martial arts crime fighter that he cannot win a fight because he can't turn his head. Um, and I feel like, the per and I'm not the first person to say this, just the... Bat Joker's great. Vicky Vale's great. Bruce Wayne's great. But Batman himself, every time he comes on the screen, sometimes it's, you see some cool shit, but sometimes mm -hmm. it's just not that exciting. And yeah, so that's why I had it down at number six uh, on my list, even though I, there's so much I love about it. And I think it's a really fine movie and one I'll watch again and enjoy again. And of course, the Prince soundtrack is amazing. It's more in the middle for me as far as Batman films go. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. There's some interesting, the Joker performance itself is obviously very standout and everybody was worried that you know no one was ever going to be able to live up to it. Uh, but there's some very odd lines in that movie from the Joker. Like he says, never rub another man's rhubarb after he thinks that he's killed Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um, he says, this town needs an enema. I remember when I was a kid thinking that that was really dirty. Like I, like I did. Yeah. But now it just almost seems to me kind of just like silly but it's like it is there are some weird choices made with the Joker in the film. He almost seems more I would say they almost make him seem more like a like a creep than he is in the comic book almost. He, he reminds me a lot <laughs> of the Cesar Romero Joker. Yeah. And I, and I oh, do yeah. think there's a lot of influence from the 60s Batman. And if anything, I know that Tim Burton was not a fan of the comics. I feel like he was a fan of the campy old television show. He had and that's to where be. a I mean, lot of the inspiration right. yeah. from this comes from. And I love the, I like the Batman, I like the Joker as a crazy person, but also, you know, a crime boss of this. You know what I mean? Like, so for so many. Many, you know, interpretations of Joker since this are like all about, you know, how deeply, you know, twisted this this character is. And I kind of just like him as like a, you know, an insane sort of flamboyant crime boss who has a bunch of henchmen and stuff like that. The not only was this movie very influential in the way that other people did the Batman look, the costume, I also feel like Nolan, you know, he wouldn't have done the the Heath Ledger you know, scars, scarification look if it wasn't for this mm -hmm. Tim Burton movie having the Joker like plastic surgery smile, which was yes. another odd choice. And I feel like the choice of doing that makes it feel very much like the movie was made in a very specific time period too. Like it, like the idea of like plastic surgery being something like is like a mm -hmm. cultural thing, like feels very 90s or late 80s. Um, so that to me sort of stands out like in retrospect, it's like, why did they need to do that to Jack Nicholson? I almost feel like, honestly, it would have been better. It would have aged better if they didn't do the, the makeup of the smile and just had him just act smiley or make a, yeah. his own smile. I don't really understand that decision-making process. And honestly, it's just kind of uh, like, it gets weirder to me over the more time passes from the, from the movie. <laughs> and this is number eight on my list. 
Wow. Okay. A little and bit. And it would have, it would have been, I think, closer to yours, Jack. About before the last time I viewed it, I watched it two days ago, hmm. and this is the first oh, wow. time it really sunk a- after one viewing. Like, and I've seen the movie maybe forty times, and I was just like, wow. I don't know why this last time it kind of hit me really hmm. differently. <laughs> Interesting. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, the last time I watched it, I ended up liking it a lot more, but I can see going back and forth on it. And speaking of our next film, Batman Returns, not Mm -hmm. as well received as Batman 1989. In fact, quite controversial because people started to notice like, hey, these movies are kind of weird for kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> I watched The Batman Returns yesterday, probably for the 50th time in my life. Sure. But the first time since maybe I was in my 20s or whatever. I watched this movie so, so much as a kid, over and over again. It comes out 1992, sequel to Batman, my favorite movie. I watch it again and again and again. And what I finally realized upon this last viewing is that what Batman Returns is, is an erotic thriller for children. (laughs) (laughs) And if people think I'm exaggerating this in any way whatsoever, first, I would suggest you watch Batman Returns again. Second, I can confirm the writer of Batman Returns saw me say this on Twitter and said it made his day. Um, So I think (laughs) I, I am onto something with this. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. save this city is a creature of the night. Hey, stud. I thought we had something together. We do. While she craves a romance she can sink her claws into. You're getting into a girl. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Gotham! Above Gotham looms its greatest hero. But man, what a weird, wild movie. Again, before I say any criticisms or critiques, I want to say these are a bunch of people operating operating at the top of their craft. It's a beautiful looking movie with lots of cool and interesting stuff in it. Great cast, great actors, great performances. But every time I watch it, I feel like I get a different opinion on it. I, li- I like 
a lot of it, but I think just in the middle, the, the last time I watched it, I just know it's in the middle, the whole thing just falls apart and it just kind of drags. <laughs> and I really don't, I think the penguin might be the worst of all the Batman villains, <laughs> sad to say, even though Danny DeVito is giving his all, I just think the choices of how the, uh, the penguins portrayed just don't make any sense and don't really work and just distract. Like there's so much magic in the movie, in the world of Batman that you're just asking us too much that like to ask me that a little mutant man is going to run for mayor of like one of the biggest <laughs> cities in the world on one week's notice. Like that's just, that's just asking a little too much of me. I'll buy, I'll buy that Catwoman has nine lives because she fell out a window and got licked by cats. <laughs> but don't also ask me to believe that the penguin is actually like psychically in control of penguins too. Like it, it's just a little bit too much. I, this is an interesting one for me because I classically always ranked this one below the first Tim Burton Batman movie, I always it always it never really held a like a great ranking in my mind. But after watching this again very recently, I watched it in the last week. I have a very new appreciation of this movie. It mm -hmm. improves and refines a lot of the special effects, the visual effects used in the first Batman movie that oh, yes. feel a little more flawed now, a little less clean. The miniature work, the compositing. Um, some of the camera work even in this movie feels way more impressive. And the, even though, I mean, and I agree with you, Leslie, some of it, the, the, the penguin stuff is really um, too much for me, but the way the movie starts and the setup for it, I think is very strong. Like it's, it could have been great. It's a movie. It's an actual film. It is not trying to be mm -hmm. part X of a franchise. This is a movie with a beginning, middle, and end. It tries to introduce you to the characters, their problems, their issues, and tries to wrap it all up in a story that makes sense and ties together and finishes at the end of the story. That's why, you know, people talk about it being set on Christmas time, like in Christmas, because it's just supposed to be like a one movie thing. And, and I didn't realize that until I just watched it. Now it's like, oh, I actually, you know, do appreciate the fact that it's trying to give us everything in this one little package and not be part of this continuing ongoing thing. That's why we have that character of Max Shrek, who's kind of this new villain slash pro and slash antagonist slash protagonist because the movie is like partially about him and his story and his life as well as Michelle Pfeiffer's character and their lives together in this one you know event as opposed to the ongoing tales of Batman yeah I I I like this one and this is one that really did grow on me like I said in my teens I feel like these the the Tim Burton Batmans I started not liking because they were so far from the comics and they're so on their weird little island I love that penguin like that that Tim Burton just does not give a shit about what the actual like comic book history of the penguin is and just makes him like a man who was like thrown in the sewer as a baby and then became an actual penguin man. And then he like runs for office. Like it's a very funny and weird movie. And I think it's a tight, it's a tight package. And yeah, it kind of loses the plot a little bit, you know, in the, in the middle, but I don't know. I think there's so many good performances and, you know, I like seeing Gotham at Christmas time and Michelle Pfeiffer is so good in this that, you know, 
you know, there's that famous video of, you know, when she does like whips the three things at the mall or whatever it is. She did that in one take. Yes. And that is truly fucking Amazing. insane. If you ever go back and watch the, like the video, they have it on YouTube. She also did it in one take and didn't freak out. Like she hit her like mark at the end of it, you know, instead of being like, holy fuck, I did it. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, she's great in this and, and an absolutely iconic Catwoman. Um, I don't know. I uh, This one has they like. They changed the Catwoman costume. Costume ever since this one like they've always gone now for the sleeker blacker uh one yeah to the presentations um this one is probably the batman that has climbed on my list the most over the years because i would have probably been like well you know tim burton's batman is good but returns is obviously a misstep I think Returns is right there below uh, original Tim Burton Batman and that's why it's number 4 on my list. Okay. I put it at number 6 on my list and it's above Oh, interesting. Uh, the original Batman a- after this most recent viewing and I think it's just because a lot of the flaws that I felt like were I noticed a lot in the first Batman movie kind of disappeared in the second one. And I'm not mm-hmm. the story. I have a lot of problems with it in, in returns. Um, and I, I think the Catwoman, I, I really like the portrayal of it, but I can't get out of my head that I feel like they're almost riffing on a Cenobite from like Hellraiser look kind of a little bit with her costume, the way it's stitched together, the, her how she's so pale. She's almost supposed to look like she's dead. Um, it, it evokes like a Hellraiser vibe for me in a way that I don't, that I don't love. Um, I like but it. I, I dig it. <laughs> That's yeah. what I like about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean the the way she's introduced though is wonderful. Like, I really like that silly little scene where the penguins like, I saw her first, and then like goes on the umbrella. Like, I actually th- I love that part. Yeah. So Daniel Waters, the guy who wrote the Heather's, um, mostly known for writing very cynical, dark screenplays um was chosen for the returns movie uh over sam ham who i think actually did write a screenplay for returns it was rejected and sam ham at the time was almost kind of just like the workhorse david goyer you know that ver that era is david goyer pumping churning out different superhero screenplays but they went with like someone complete like it would be completely abnormal you know like you would never be unheard of now for like marvel to hire a screenwriter like this for an mcu film i mean and i think that that's what makes it so dark um and i i think it took a long time for people to realize that that was part of why it was so dark um because they just like chose a guy who's written some really dark shit in the past and it was not you know i don't think he even wrote kids movies or action movies or anything like that and speaking of action, I think one thing that Burton did improve on, another thing, was the action scenes are a lot better in mm-hmm. Returns. They're not all oh, great, yeah. but they're better. They're more exciting. They're of a different 100%. era, too. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's hard to judge them just because action was kind of different in the 80s than it is now, which is, like, so acrobatic and green screeny. I mean, I think that probably the best action scene in the first one is the, like, the church, like, the when they go to the the tower and they he fights with the Joker at the end, I don't really rem, I don't really have fond memories of the other action in that movie. Even though I I think it's shot really great, Batman Returns has a lot more action set pieces that just pop and like yeah. you know have aged yeah. well. I think in both eighty nine Batman and Batman Returns, Batman kills. Bat Burton's Batman 
100,000% like kills like a lot of people in both these movies. There's no pretense. There's no mm. no drama about it. He oh, just yeah. like blows up dudes. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and also because it's a fucking cartoon. So it doesn't matter anyway. Like, it's like how, it's like how like the Roadrunner gets blown up. <laughs> or, you know, the, not the Roadrunner. The Roadrunner never, of course. Like the coyote getting blown up. <laughs> yeah. I do want to make a mention as you know, speaking of birds, there is one effect that doesn't quite work. When the penguins carry the penguin down the flight of stairs and into his final doom in the sewers there, you may notice that the penguins are the same size as Danny DeVito because they're not, they're penguins, they're people in suits. They're not <laughs> penguins. Uh, and so once you see that they're the same size as Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito's pretty tiny though, so you know, you can kind of <laughs> buy it. The Emperor Penguins, I mean, actually the practical effects, some of the mixture of like the animatronic and the guys in suits, like really, I thought it was really nicely done. Oh yeah, in other it's parts mostly of the movie. like amazing. I love the penguins in this. They're actually <laughs> quite cool. Uh, maybe overused, but when you see like yeah. all those penguins, it's like, oh, cool. Like they got a bunch of penguins and made a movie with them. That's cool. <laughs> oh, and Christopher Walken, we haven't even mentioned... Oh, oh yeah, he's he great is, in this. He's great in this. And it's kind of like a little bit before he played so weird. Like he really is good just as a, you know, like I don't know, like a business guy, a, a straight up villain. He's really good in this. Oh, I love the 80s. He's why is he a villain? Because he's a businessman. This is the 80s. Yep. What kind of <laughs> He's Trump. He's, he's basically Trump in this, you know, more or less like 80s Trump. It has that like aliens vibe with Paul Reiser where it's like he's the villain. I mean, but it's like compl it's played completely differently, but it's a similar corporate villain thing, you know, but they choose to make this guy more of like a personified evil, you know, kind of smarmy pretend good guy, um, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah and I great. think it really works. I didn't like get it as a kid, but it, right now it's like, oh, he's my favorite part of the movie, obviously. Like he's the best part. Like every time we walk into his office and the paneling looks like uh, uh, my partner parent point this out to me it looks like the padded walls of an insane asylum hmm. that is that set is so cool it's so easy it feels like it probably influenced um american psycho a bit hmm. I, I feel yeah. like uh, this i can definitely see his look influencing like the look of bateman yeah, I, I do want to mention that when you're inside buildings in Batman Returns, this film is set in 19, late 80s, early 90s. When you're outside, it's the 1950s. I don't know why, but that's just how it works. <laughs> just, that's the way that Tim Burton decided it is. All right. Oh, one so, thing I wanted to add, add, add to this is, did they even have Billy D. Williams in Batman Returns at all, or did they completely drop that Harvey Dent character by the second movie? I can't even remember. I think he is out. I think he's not in it at all, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was not in Batman Returns, even though it was rumored that he was going to come back and play him. It wasn't like he was fired or anything, even when they were, when it was, I mean, because this, I think the idea that Two-Face was going to be the next villain was known well before like uh any like casting was done or even before they might have known who was going to direct the next one. And it was, Thought at the time they of course Billy D. Williams would come back, but sadly did not. But I do think there's a there's a comic book follow up uh to the burden movies that do that do have the Billy D. Williams version of Two Face. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, there there is yeah, there is something like that. That's very cool. And I wanna say just during this discussion, Batman Returns moved up for me. I'm gonna wow. put that at six 
Batman 1989, putting that <laughs> yes. down at seven. Sorry, wow. Batman. Wow, okay, interesting. Wow. Wow. Sorry, we, Batman. The seeding is changing before our very eyes. Wow, amazing. So we're both at six for Batman Returns. All right, moving on. 1995, new director, new Batman, new vibe. Batman forever. Riddle me this, riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big black bat? In an uncertain world, in a chaotic time, justice wears a mask. Brighter, shinier, bit more fun, bit more Hollywood, maybe, bit more, you know, E Entertainment Network style Batman <laughs> going on. Joel Schumacher, baby. You know, this is director. one that has also climbed up my list. Like when I rewatched it, I was surprised at how much fun I had with Batman Forever. This is one I've always liked. And even when it came out, I was like, oh, this is better than the other ones. The day it came out, I saw it in theaters. I was like, I like that better than the Batman and Batman Returns. I thought it was, I, I like Val Kimmer a bit more as Batman. I Notice we got through talking uh, about Batman and Batman Returns without actually mentioning Michael Keaton. Even though his performance is not bad, it didn't really, you know, stand out compared to the other performances. I thought Val Kilmer, especially the more I watch it, I end up liking his performance as Batman more, as Bruce Wayne, I should say, more and more. He might be like my favorite Bruce Wayne. He actually seems to have, you know, that steely-eyed stare where it's like he's actually kind of fucked up on the inside. And I, I watched Batman Forever again today. I've always liked this movie and I like it more every time I watch it. Um, I just absolutely enjoy it. It's number uh, three 
on my list of all time wow. Batman movies. I can always go back and have a good time with Batman Forever. You got Jim Carrey, you got Tommy Lee Jones just playing absolutely buck wild villains. Oh yeah. It, the movie moves, it is, as James, as uh, uh, Jack was mentioning earlier, is literally a James Bond movie. It opens up with a James Bond action scene. Oh my God, Batman, Two-Face is robbing the bank. Already, you're in the movie. You are not waiting to have the you know origin story revealed to you. You are already in there. Batman's already fighting off the goons. He's already rescuing somebody. But holy shit, it's a trap. There's a big action set piece. They drive in the fucking Lady Gotham. That's the first five minutes of this movie. That's how action movies all to be. And that's one just one of the reasons why I always lo have loved Batman Forever because it just goes for it and has fun. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. You know, you you can't do much better than the uh, Jim Carrey performance as the riddler you know comparing against the paul dano it's like uh, you know what 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 is what is a, what's more of a good time at the movie theater I, I think it's inarguable um i put this you know pretty high on my list too at number six you know i think as we're finding out uh maybe as we get through our list here um you know my, that my i i've kind of grouped these ones uh, um kind of together uh, in, in by franchise a little bit um but yeah i i i think this one's like a very memorable one you know this i also you know similar to the original batman i remember just the marketing for this being so ubiquitous i believe this is the one where taco bell gave away a batmobile no, um, no uh, I, well may, it might have been but i know this is the one that mcdonald's had those fucking frosted ice cups that were fucking oh so i had those dope. for years like the uh, oh. the two-face one that had like the as the handle it had the coins uh i, remember. <laughs> I never got my hands on one. Oh, i we should talk about <laughs> we should be talking about the merch too i do want to say in, for the original batman i did get that original bat toy he had like a belt like with an elastic string and you could use it as like a zip line it was the fucking coolest toy because it actually worked i remember and for batman forever didn't get the glasses but i did get like the the magazine the poster magazine that came out but because the movie had actually been so edited and chopped up there's a bunch uh, there's a bunch of scenes in the magazine that are not in the film so i remember watching waiting in the theater for like these specific scenes to happen that just do not show up that's very interesting <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, I think Batman Forever is another of the ones that has really climbed up my list that I was really sort of like poo pooed as a teenager when I was like, oh, Batman should be serious and grim. Um, in rewatching it, you know, I, I think I rewatched this one like last year. Um, and I think I just had a good time from beginning to end. It's like the Nickelodeon Batman. And, you know, what literally what's wrong with that? You know, <laughs> what's wrong with a, a Batman movie that is kind of for kids, has a big, hilarious, has great performances you know by Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey and yeah I agree I think Val Kilmer is among the best at sort of portraying both Batman and uh, Bruce Wayne where you know some of these other you know Batman actors you you get a little you're like oh he's pretty good as Batman but not so good as Bruce Wayne I think Kilmer kind of like you know uh, goes right you know hits the mark right in the you know in the bullseye here and is among the better Batman yeah, I, I really dig his romance with uh, Nicole Kidman, who I think is just absolutely amazing, gorgeous as the love interest in this, the criminal psychologist 
who is actually is more in love with Batman than Bruce Wayne. I actually like like that Bruce Wayne like felt like I don't know like cucked for most of this movie because this woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> was in love with Batman. I, I wish there was a better word for it, but that's usually Superman in that situation, not Batman. Yeah, yeah. No, Val Kilmer. I think this movie. I remember when I first saw it, I absolutely hated it. Like when I first saw it in the theater. And it's taken me a good 20 years to get over the shock of that experience to like <laughs> actually appreciate certain aspects of it. I was definitely, I was like so committed to like the dark Burton Batman that I think I was just, I found it such an affront uh, when, at, you know, at, at a young age seeing that, that sort of the tonal shift in it. But in retrospect, I mean, I gave this one a recent watch as well. I hadn't seen it in maybe 10 15 years and Val Kilmer as Batman as Bruce Wayne is actually great and I think that he really does nail the role um it almost as much as I like Michael Keaton I do think he actually does a little bit more of like an accurate you know say comic book portrayal of uh of both characters and I wish that he was I wish that at times he was given better lines um, cause the way he's introduced does almost feel like that era's version of like a Marvel cinematic universe, you know, let's pepper the script with like one liner jokes that land for me really poorly. I mean, like the drive through thing, chicks dig the car, Cer the certain lines of his <laughs> in his opening scenes are so jarring that I'm like, he deserves better because he's doing such a good job because the dramatic moments in the movie. I, I thought actually what aged best for me was the Batman and Robin stuff. I was actually shocked thinking, wow, I wish, I almost wish this was the primary plot of the film. Like watching it again, I'm almost feeling like, you know, they could have just had Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey kind of almost like as background players while the primary story could have been the Batman and Robin thing. Because I think that's almost the strongest part of the film. It feels the most dramatic. It feels the most effective. And probably the most, if I could make one change, it would be Chris O'Donnell maybe should have been cast differently and at least not wearing an earring because it's like, it feels very like 90s cool guy. Like like Robin is wearing the, you know, the, the very effeminate looking leotard while he's doing the, you know, the, the, um, the, the gymnastics. And then by the time he's, you know, we see him as like the cool kid, he's like got an earring on. And it's like, I almost would have rather him just been like a more you know, more comfortable, uh, <laughs> uh, like portrayal of him. Um, I don't know. Well, well, they were trying to play against the idea that Robin was, uh, you know, everybody knows the jokes about Batman Robin. Okay. It was, <laughs> it was in the air that, Oh, they're going to put Robin in the movie. Ha ha ha. Like, and there are, yes, nipples on the bats <laughs> uh, forever. But I, I do say, I actually don't think the, to I like, I think the one-liners mostly work. I feel like they are very 90s action movie, like one-liners. They fit with like, I they're not like a post-irony one-liner. Like it, it just feels like, like Batman is just cracking a joke because Batman has a sense of humor as opposed <laughs> to like them doing improv to like top one another. I feel like Batman's <laughs> just kind of a smart ass and the villains are like smart asses. I, I, I feel like, you know, there was like a lot of, the, there was, there is a point where the one-liners change to like one-sceners and I think that's the difference uh, than, from this movie and, you know, a modern MCU 
movie. Yeah. I, I feel I actually liked liked I really liked the tone. <laughs> and I don't think it's super kiddie, even though it's like kids enjoy it. But it has some like it has actually has like themes, and it, it's about Batman's you know uh, pain from losing his. I actually think this is the best portrayal of like Batman dealing with his trauma and not being able to deal with his trauma and saying like, "Damn, being Batman is fucked. I'm so fucked up. I'm I'm Batman. I can't be close to anybody. Robin, you don't want to be like me. You should fucking go to therapy or something." Like I actually <laughs> think that like Joel Schumacher because he's made like really intense serious dramas before and even something like The Lost Boys. It had a real like dr- the, at the heart of it was a fan family drama and i think he and he obviously he could have more in it like you were saying robbie the batman and robin story could have been the movie but i think it has a decent amount of of it that even when when i watch this movie now I, i'm much i find this movie much less like embarrassing or silly than <laughs> like the nolan movies uh actually you know when i look at it now jim i i, I actually like tommy lee jones in the movie i think jim carrey some of those some of his, because it seems like they let him improvise a little bit in the movie, and I feel like some of it goes on a little too long. Yeah, and times. Tommy Lee Jones apparently did not like it, was not a fan. <laughs> told, uh, inf- a famous uh, line that uh, Tommy Lee Jones told Jim Carrey that he's a clown and he doesn't respect him. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's an actual, uh, Jim Carrey tells a story about interacting with Tommy Lee Jones on the Norm MacDonald show that seems really awkward, like he was... He, it seemed like he was trying to provoke him intentionally because they didn't like each other. And it just sounds like a really uncomfortable um, experience. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. And um, for P- I would highly recommend everybody check out the Val Kilmer documentary that came out, I think, last year. It's, I think it's called Val on Amazon. Easy to find. But it goes into he goes basically through his whole career and shows like the effects his career had on him and what taking on the role of Batman was for him because he was not like um he was not interested in fame or being a celebrity at all like he was a theater kid who lo- actually genuinely loves acting and being on stage and like stage plays and shit like he's and he's like a goofball he's not like the serious bad boy which is how he was portrayed in the 90s like he's just he's like he talks about the, like the fact that like the thing he wants to do most in life is to like hang out with his kids like he lives next door to <laughs> his adult daughter in a duplex like that is who Val Kilmer is but I remember all the news stories in the 90s oh like he was like the new Tom Cruise he's hot he's going out with this model that model and at the time he's just saying like all I wanted to do was like disappear and go home I just wanted to do my job on set and then go home and be done with it and that's part of the reason why he didn't return as Batman just because of all the hoopla that came with that the music in this one was was also good and I can't like I I don't remember it as much as the Burton ones because I don't think Elfman did it, um, but it's it's trying to be different enough and still sort of evocative of the earlier Burton movies. I feel like it really works. It 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 it's it pops nicely, um, whereas some of the other Batman scores that have happened since then, I feel like have kind of I don't know, fallen flat. Let's say, um, so it's one of the last I think memorable ones. Yeah, I love the Batman Forever score. In fact, I prefer it to Batman and Batman Returns. I've never been the yeah. biggest fan of Elfman's theme, if I'm being honest with you. I actually like the Batman Forever score more, and the soundtrack, my God, was a sick, sick soundtrack. I had this on CD 
listen to it nonstop. I mean, Sunday Day Real Estate, fucking PJ Harvey, the last good YouTube song ever, Nick Cave Method Man, like you get fucking Michael Hutchins uh, doing an Iggy Pop cover, and then, I'm sorry, Seal Kiss from Rose, all-time great ballad. All-time great ballad, all-time great music video tie-in to a movie. I love <laughs> the soundtrack uh, to Batman Forever. It's my, If it weren't for Purple Rain, I might say this was the best soundtrack of all time. Did they even have that song? I, I was I was watching again trying to hear for Kiss from a Rose. Is there a part in the movie where it plays? Yes, yes it plays briefly. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't Wait. remember exactly where, but it definitely okay. does play. Yeah, I, I didn't catch it. But it's a great track, yeah. <laughs> it's actually wild that that's like uh, from a Batman movie. Yeah. You know, for how iconic a song that's become and how many weddings it plays at and stuff like that. Yeah, again, that's the James Bondification of Batman at this point. You have changed the director. You have changed Batman. You have changed the leading lady. And you have your iconic song, uh, Ballad, leading off the soundtrack. It is a James Bond movie dressed as a Batman movie. And another thing I want to say, the visuals of this, I think think are as if not more influential than the burden movies because when i look at Ar uh, games like uh, arkham city arkham asylum and all the stuff that's coming after that it looks more a lot like batman forever it, especially like when the two-faced thugs come in the way they are dressed is basically exactly how they are in the arkham games the way gotham looks with the art deco that burden brought in but also with all that neon lighting and stuff like that is all from joel schumacher he had a real fucking vision for gotham that i felt like felt very alive i loved all the like parties and galas and stuff that people were going to and all the scenes with tons and tons of extras uh, but uh you know, Burden did a lot of this, but I think Schumacher maybe amped up a bit of this stuff and it felt like a bigger movie to me at times. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it this does feel like, you know, a big Batman and also like, you know, kind of forging its own path out, uh, out from, you know, the shadow of the Burton Batmans. There's also a couple right. really amazing miniature shots in Batman Forever that there's not enough of. Like, I don't know if they didn't, get the shots that they wanted because there's a couple scenes in it where they're using like CGI Gotham cityscapes that look a lot worse than the miniature shots and the miniature shots appear very like they go very very quickly but they look amazing and I'm wondering if they kind of they didn't have the budget or the time they wanted to because I want to see more of that in the movie there and is in the there opening is allegedly a Schumacher cut there is allegedly yeah, a Schumacher cut. Yeah, there, more there's stuff. cut footage of, uh, you can find it actually. There's cut footage of like Man Bat that you can find online. No way. Interesting. Yeah. And that one for me is six. That one goes at six for me. Uh, a nine. It's kind no. of in the bottom third for me. Okay. So that was my three. I had it pretty high, but I think this is one that's going to be low on pretty much everyone's, on most people's. Yeah. Batman and Robin, 1997. <laughs> This is the way the world could end. Please, show some mercy. With ice. With a kiss. With venom. I probably should have mentioned this. I'm... Poison. Poison Ivy. 
and the only man who can stop them. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Can't do it alone. Batman will watch his beloved Gotham perish. Bundle up, boys. There's a storm coming. Kill the heroes! It's the hockey team from hell! Cool party! Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, everyone, chill. George Clooney. Julian of the marrying kind. I know you've had your wild nights. Good night. Wild doesn't doesn't quite cover it. Chris O'Donnell. I want a car. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. Uma Thurman. So many people to kill. So little time. Alicia Silverstone. And you are? Batgirl. That's not awfully PC. What about Batperson? Found the Batcave. She knows who we are. Guess we just have to kill her. Yep. In Joel Schumacher film. Strength. And courage. Partners. Honor. Partners. And loyalty. Partners. It all comes together. We're going to need a bigger cave. Batman and Robin. Sure. Joel, you were just feeling yourself too much. I don't know what happened. I it goes no a little one too knows far. what happens happened with this movie. It's like Joel Schumacher, he comes back. Batman Forever was a hit. It was the biggest, it was like the biggest movie of the year. Okay. So yeah. and which was a big deal because again, you're changing directors, you're changing tone uh, a bit, you're changing, you know, who, who Batman. But it was still a big hit. So of course you think, of course, we'll do another Batman. Hey, we're changing Batman again. Hey, we got George Clooney. He's on from ER. He's the highest actor uh in the world, potentially, right now. Okay. Gonna be a guarantee hit. We got Arnold Schwarzenegger. My God, as playing a villain, rarely does it. Hasn't done it for a few years. We got Uma Thurman, world famous supermodel. You think you have you have all the same pieces you had before, and then we got Alicia Silverstone playing Batgirl. You think it would all be it would just be smooth it sailing just at this come point? Together, it doesn't come together. Ooh, does it not come together? Now look, yeah. there's still some fun stuff, some fun visuals, but on the whole, this movie feels so much worse, so much cheaper, so much and silly in a way that's not respectful, that actually feels disrespectful to the audience, even if they are children at times. Just too much, too campy, too much camp uh, in this one yeah. to actually work. Now, if this comes on on TNT... On a Sunday afternoon, I'm watching it, right? I'm watching it, okay? <laughs> but I'm not having the greatest time. I have Batman and Robin at nine for me. It's not the greatest movie, but there's still some fun stuff. I like. I actually like Arnold. I don't think it, there are any bad villains in Batman movies, aside from maybe Paul Dano and, and Bane in this one, if you really count him. Well, uh, yeah, he's barely in it. Bane's barely in this. Um, he's just a wrestler, Jeep Swenson, and, yeah, and Jeep Swenson is the uh, the Bane, the Baneified version. Just okay, a wrestler guy. Yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't get any. Uh, yeah, they didn't talk a lot about Bane in the press, which is a problem, right? If you have a Batman movie and you're not mentioning one of the villains, in fact, the villain who is supposed to be. Oh, so we actually have to contextualize this. 
Bane, a newer Batman villain, famous for breaking Batman's back only a few years earlier. So seeing him pop up in a Batman movie, big deal for the fans, big deal for the comic book fans, the hardcore comic book fans. The betrayal of Bane in this, not living up to expectations whatsoever, and in fact is one of those examples of people just not giving a shit about the source material at all in a way that's just detrimental to like even the job they're doing. Like if you cared a little bit more, the movie would be a bit better. Yeah, this one, you know, the camp goes a little too far. The, you know, maybe some individual scenes, you know, can be kind of fun to watch in clips. Uh, but, you know, as a movie, it just really doesn't work that well. And that's why it's number 11th on my list. You know, we have 12 movies that we're talking about today. And this one is the second to last for me. It's strange. I was just looking up because of the, my Bane confusion just now that apparently Dr. Jason Woodrow is is a character in the movie who makes who's like working with Poison Ivy and Bane and I I only know about that DC character from Swamp Thing so that's that's yeah, interesting Swamp they would Thing, even yeah. throw him in there and I mean I think one of my biggest problems with it is they they really made a mistake recasting Batman just in the next movie like why 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 weren't they able to get Val Kilmer in that role was it I, I heard that he got injured or something I mean what was the reason why they because George Clooney is such a step down. Reading between the lines, it was kind of like he kind of didn't want to do it, or if he mm. was going to do it, he was going to wait. He was going didn't want to do it on the timetable that they were going to do it on. Yeah. So it wasn't like an animosity thing. It was just like he just didn't like he didn't sign up to play Batman forever, <laughs> even though he played <laughs> right. He, he, yeah. He just play, He just signed up to to do Batman forever. Obviously. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, George Clooney just feels really bland as i mean i i it's not that he he's is. bad overtly bad he just doesn't have he just doesn't seem to carry any weight in the movie and it's just it's kind of like why him, of all the people at least val kilmer under the cowl his lips and the bottom part of his face like actually is kind of a dead ringer for michael keaton like it looks similar enough where you you can almost see him far away and be like that looks so much like michael keaton you know even though val kilmer is like a bigger person but kind of more broader shoulders but just the face um and even george clooney's face his lower face you know under the cow just doesn't even look right it looks weird to me um i know that sounds like a weird nitpick but like i'm a you know I'm a, i want a, a batman the aesthetics need to be very specific and <laughs> but the one cool thing they do in the movie is they actually did i think take an influence from the animated series before nolan and actually you know they at least tried to show mr freeze's origin story that yeah. seem kind of straight pulled from the animated series. But of course, the way it's executed in the movies, you know, pales in comparison to the the dramatic weight of how they portray Mr. Freeze in the animated series. It's one of the more, you know, actually emotional villain storylines in the animated series besides Two-Face. And they don't, you know, they don't really, they, they kind of do that a tiny bit in the movie and then they just kind of, you know, throw it away and just make it a, like a camp fest and make, you know, Mr. Freeze just like a silly over-the-top villain for the most part not really sympathetic i have i have to say i'm always surprised by how alicia silverstone is bad in this i just assumed <laughs> she would be a good bad girl but she's actually quite bad and yeah, she's a little bit like listless or something she just is like doesn't feel fully committed yeah similar to clooney like he they just see, both yeah. seem like very much worse than you would possibly expect them to be yep totally agree Totally agree. And All even right. the way even, they make her look is is not, uh, their costume is not great, you know? it's Yeah, the costume isn't even that great. 
All right, so moving on. So after that disaster, Batman and Robin, not well received by critics or fans. It was a few years before we got more Batman. In fact, eight years before Batman wow. returned to the big screen. Uh, never going to have a gap that big again, probably. Um, with Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. Tell us, Mr. Wayne. Parents' death was not your fault. My parents deserve justice. I cannot let that pass. If you make yourself more than just a man, then you become something else entirely. Which is a legend, Mr. Wayne. Master Wayne, are you coming back for long, sir? As long as it takes to show the people of Gotham their city doesn't belong to the criminals and the corrupt. Bruce? Rachel? You were gone a long time. I know. Things are worse than ever down here. What chance does Gotham have when the good people do nothing? No makes a libel suit for advanced infantry. Careful law utility harness, gas-powered magnetic grapple gun. What's that? On the tumbler? You wouldn't be interested in that. I spent a lot of time being scared for you. I heard you were back. With the man I loved. The man who vanished never came back. He's here. Who? The Batman. Five. This one starring Christian Bell as the Cape Crusader. Uh, Rachel Ghoul played, you think, by Ken Watanabe initially, but aha, misdirection. Turns out it's uh, a white guy, Liam Neeson. I remember when they announced it. I remember seeing the previews for it. Oh, this is going to be like the real Batman, like the year one Batman, like the Frank Miller Batman. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, it's darker. It's more realistic. It takes place, more or less, in the real world. The villains are realistic. Even the Scarecrow, hey, is pretty realistic and pretty good performance. But on the whole, this movie is just not a good movie. It's just like it falls apart completely in the third act where you have uh, Commissioner Gordon driving around the Batmobile in a really, like, corny atonal scene there's no chemistry between uh, batman and rachel and not helped by the fact that the part is recast in the next film with someone who doesn't look at all like the original actress 
I've never liked Batman Begins, and every time I watch it, I like it a little bit less. You know, for me, I am not as big, not as hot on the Nolan Batmans, but I also do think that Batman Begins works the best for me uh, of the trilogy. Um, I, you know, I, I think that Batman Begins has the tightest story. It doesn't, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I think when you get into Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, there's just an aimlessness to the story, and it kind of goes all over the place, and it doesn't feel as tight. Um, yeah, I, I put Batman Begins as my at, at my number seven. Uh, of all the Batman movies. My initial viewing of Batman Begins was I would I thought it was maybe a little better than average. I think it probably would have given it like a 7 out of 10 when I first saw it and over time um it's become probably my favorite Batman film. Wow. And wow. I, I think it's probably the most rewatchable one for me that actually gets like better on every subsequent viewing and it's sort of weird because I I'm really ass- assessing the whole movie. If I really assess it, it's very flawed. The Batman costume to me doesn't look right. Batman Christian Bale's Batman voice still bothers me quite a bit. Um, <laughs> it, but it I didn't love... bother me at first, but but now <laughs> I hate it. Now I hate you. Finally, all got to me. I was a defender of it. I was like, it's all right. It's not that bad. Now I can't stand it. You finally broke me. <laughs> and I think that. The... The movie does a really good job, I think, of actually making a Batman origin story that feels very thoughtful, pulling from the source material, but also supplementing the source material with new stuff that really hasn't been done in a comic book before that really, for me, works. Um, And there's certain things in it, like Lucius Fox being sort of his gateway to all the technology and things that feel very conveniently you know, written in there for as a story device. But I love, uh, I really do love that his origin. Um, I think that the inclusion of the scarecrow uh, is was brilliant, and I think that it's probably the one that I think is probably the most inspired by the animated series in a way that doesn't feel like it's just pulling things straight from the animated series. It's taking inspiration in the right way. Um, even though there are things about it that are so hard to have suspension of disbelief for, um, at times I think it's, it's probably, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if it'll stay my number one, but for wow. now it's but my today. number one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Huge. See, I have a very low, I actually am really looking at my list. <laughs> I think I'm going to put Batman Begins at number nine, Batman and Robin at number 10, but Batman Begins very low for me. I just really just don't really enjoy it that much it's not i don't know it's like it has like all the pieces like you said um robbie for like a really great batman origin story but it just doesn't come together for me in a succinct way i don't really buy it i don't think the action scenes are as good as they could be or should be which i think is a thing that will continue throughout the nolan batman movies i like cillian murphy as scarecrow but he could have a little bit more to do i don't know it's just for something about this movie like every time i watch it i like it a little bit less and to this point it's just like i don't want to see it again um you know <laughs> i i i i enjoy it i think it does feel like you know the the mo- the least pretentious and 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 the most you know be- the, and the best plotted uh in my opinion of the nolans uh and you know frankly i kind of want to rewatch the nolans in my post the batman uh world um because i haven't seen them in a little bit soundtrack for the movie i think kind of sucks is probably my one of my biggest complaints about it cuz it's like a mixture mm. it's got like the james newton howard 
sort of ballady piano emotional stuff and this like H Howard, Sh not Howard Shore, uh, Hans Zimmer, like very generic action movie style vibe to it. And I think the soundtracks for the Nolan movies got drastically better um, as they continued. But this one oh, I yes. think has one oh, of the yes. weaker scores of the all the Batman movies. So, folks, that was part one of our deep dive into the Batman movies. We'll pick this up next week on Struggle Session. Later. <laughs>